First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter one. <clears throat> We're looking at Paul's dates, his respects. He's send his regards already, but verse four and nine. And we see things that Paul is thankful for. As he said in verse four of chapter one, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you. And then he thanks the Lord down to verse nine for different things. First of all, for the grace God has given them, as it said in verse four, for the grace of God given you. And any person that's become a Christian has have had the exercise of the grace of God in their life. We've had that and we praise him for that. And Paul praised the Lord for that in their lives. And then we started looking at the gifts. Paul thanked them and sent this thought for their gifts. This was a talented church. We looked at that. That starts with verse 5. That in everything you are enriched by him. Now think of that as a Christian. In everything we've been enriched by him. In all utterance and in all knowledge. And so this was a gifted, a talented church. Um, they had the real thing. <laughs> they weren't faking it like we see in churches around the world today. Um, <clears throat> the utterance and the knowledge of the Lord and giving these things. They were given these things and they were uh, abusing these things in some way. They were going for the showy gifts. They were going for the gifts that got them attention. Look at him. <laughs> Go off now. If you, if I, if I started speaking in Hebrew here, there's one person who'd understand it. That'd be Andrew. <laughs> but I'm, I don't know it, and then it was not going to happen <laughs> unless I learnt it and haven't got a life to learn it. And <clears throat> so, they, they were able to do this. This was a real thing in their life. You read chapter 12. Paul said, "This is the way to govern these things if they are in your midst, because you can imagine coming to church and everyone had a different." something to say in a different language. Paul said, in course, one at a time, someone interpret what was just said so that the church might be edified, not hearing all these languages from all over the place and not understand anything and not be edified. And Paul said, that's what's happening at Corinth. Re really happening. <laughs> now, some of them, as Paul, could have known more than one language too. And they could have... That wasn't a gift, that was a, something acquired as they went through life in their trade or whatever. And uh, it, would, it would be wonderful to know Greek. <laughs> Wouldn't it, Pastor McConnell, to, just to read it and say, that's what it means. Yeah. Because we have so much cause for confusion amongst churches because we don't get what it's saying when they would have got what it's saying in the tense it was saying it. And in the context, all, all those things. But anyway, that's where we are. Uh, praise the Lord. So he's praising the Lord and giving thanks to God for their gifts, that showing his respect to them. <clears throat> and we looked at that last week. And now we move to the next thing. This was not only a talented church, this was a telling church. Let's pray as we start with verse 6. Thank you, Lord, that churches that you have started all over the world have been given people to do the ministry, the work of the ministry. And Lord, you've given pastors and teachers and evangelists to 
to train folks up to do the work of the ministry as it is mentioned in your word. And thank God, you Lord, for these things that are given to people in this church for the edification and the building up of one another. And may we use those things that we have been given as gifts of grace so that we might minister grace to the hearers also as we build one another up. Lord, if we've got the ability to pray, let us pray earnestly. Let us all pray, especially those that have been given that in their, in their lives. Lord, for teaching, that, that that might be forthcoming and be able to teach the little ones from the littlest to the oldest. Thank you for those that minister in the youth meetings, for those that have that ability that you've given them naturally and supernaturally, Lord, to minister. Lord, work in our midst. And as we see this church and what they were focusing on in verse 8 and 9, may our hearts be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, <clears throat> this was a telling church. Verse 6. Even as the testimony of our Christ was confirmed in you. Even though this church was as it was <laughs> and wasn't doing what they should have, people could see that they had changed. They were sanctified. They were set apart for the, for the Lord. Although this was not complete, the sanctification, and it, it is not complete in us. It is not completing Christians all over the world. We're still being set apart, sanctified, progressively sanctified for the Lord. Pro positionally, we become Christians. Progressively, we're becoming more like Christ. Permanently, one day, sanctification will be when the body is redeemed and puts on immortality. And so <clears throat> this was confirmed. See that word there? And Paul uses this a few times here. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed... In you, um, confirming their faith were went along with the sign gifts that they had. This was a confirmation, and in the early church that was so. In that first century church, there was healing. There was tongues. Could could did Paul have the ability to heal? Did he have the gift to heal? He did. Peter, did he have the gift to heal? Yes, he did. These things were. Their faith and was confirmed by this, and the Pharisees couldn't do this. <laughs> the religious leaders couldn't do. It. They were looking at the apostles, and these things were happening, and they knew they were happening, but they couldn't. You know, they couldn't counter it. And and good old Gamaliel said, "Well, if this be of God, you can't stop it." Yeah. And that's what he said. At least he is wise enough to say that. I wonder if he eventually got saved. <laughs> Who knows? Wouldn't, wouldn't Paul and Gamaliel make a good team? Paul Gamaliel, the teacher, and Paul the apostle, but it never says it was so. Uh, maybe you can correct me on that, that he, he did get saved or didn't. But these things were genuine gifts that they had. And Paul probably wished that the people in Corinth, the unsaved people in Corinth, were more drawn by the behavior and the holiness and the sanctification of the saints at Corinth than they were drawn by the gifts and the miraculous things were happening at Corinth. And uh, th th because this is something that was, has continued for 2,000 years. By the behavior, by the change, by the sanctification of saints, people have been drawn to the Lord Jesus. In that day, they were looking at these miraculous... We know they were because 
Paul said later in Corinth there that they'll think you're mad if they come in and they don't understand anything. You know, what's going on in this place? Uh, that, that The unsaved people Paul was referring to there. So this was a telling church. It, was, it had a testimony, though not perfect, of Christ was confirmed in you. Is that being confirmed in us, where we work? People that know us better in our families. Is the testament of Christ confirmed in you? Do they see the difference? Do they see that Christ is in you and it makes a difference? I pray they do see that. It was a titled church. Thirdly, if you're following the outline there, and we've been touching on this already in verse 7, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus. They came behind in no gift, as, as it were a titled church that had this. Let's turn to chapter 12 of First Corinthians, verse 4, and just read some of the things they were titled with, as it were, that, that they could be said of them. This is a title that they had. Verse 4 of chapter 12, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God who worketh all in all. He's working everyone differently. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit, not to profit him, to profit others. For to one is given the Spirit of the Word of Wisdom. He can profit and help other people to be wise. To another is the Word of Knowledge. You see, they didn't have the Bible, but this knowledge was given to them. Uh, by the same spirit to another faith if we have the gift of faith uh, let's use that by the same spirit to one another the gifts of healing by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy were these things real yep (laughs) discerning of spirits to another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues see they go they go together But all these worketh that the one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. And you go down through the rest of the chapter and go to chapter 12 of Romans 2 and find it mentioned there. Um, Verse 28, toward the end of chapter 12, we read, And God has set some of the in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, then the gifts of healing. Do we try to say, oh, they didn't happen, it didn't happen? No, it happened. <laughs> and it was confirmed. This was a church that had these things going on and the Lord building that church. Diversity of the tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Of course, the answer is no, no, no. <laughs> Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all, Even in the early church, have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. <laughs> But covered earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. <laughs> That's a clincher for the charismatic movement, <laughs> for us to say, hey, there's a better way than all these things. And it's love that comes up in the next chapter, that chapter divisions weren't in the letter that originally was written. Um, <clears throat> should we be proud of the abilities that God gives us? That, they, that God gave them. Being a titled church and saying, I've got this and I've got that, 
No, they shouldn't be. Notice what Paul said to them earlier in chapter 4 and verses 6 and 7. He said this to them. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. Way back in chapter 1, he was dealing with, am I am I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, so forth. That no one of you be puffed up for one against the other. Aha, you can't speak in tongues. Aha, you can't interpret. I can. I'm more important than you. No, no. That's not what Paul, the gifts were given for. For who maketh thee to differ from another? What hast thou that thou did not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? So Paul was pointing this out to them. Even though we're gifted, titled, we, must, we can say they shouldn't be proud about it. They should be thankful to God for this grace given to them. And we go from... <coughs> A talented church, a telling church, and a titled church to a trusting church. Back in verse 7, in the middle of verse 7, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who was waiting? The Corinthian church, way back almost 2,000 years ago, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've heard more saints talk about the Lord's coming in the last year than most other times. You know, these sort of testing times brings out the hope of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, does it not? In our lives, praise the Lord that it does. It, bring, it, it gets us our focus off what's going on down here in the pleasures of this life and the things of this world and the troubles of it as well to looking for his coming, waiting for the coming. This implies their eager expectation. In all his epistles, Paul pounded out the truth of the second coming of Christ. He preached it, as I've mentioned just recently, to the church at Thessalonica. He is only there two at the most three weeks. He'd already taught them about this, and they understood it. And then he clarified that in chapter, I think it's 2, it is of Second Thessalonians. I told you these things. When I was with you, I told you these things. And that was about the Lord's coming. Uh, <clears throat> so in all his epistles, these things were taught, preached, and ministered. Many years ago, a fellow called William Lamb, some of you already know who I'm talking about, who <clears throat> was um, pastor of the Baptist Burton Street Baptist Tabernacle in Sydney. He was driving, driving along with a theological professor and college principal, Bible college principal, up in Sydney. And they were driving past the then being built Sydney Harbour Bridge, and it wasn't joined. They were coming from both sides, and. Uh, <clears throat> Lamb said to the principal, Pastor Lamb said to the principal, the Lord could come before that thing joins up, <laughs> before they build the thing. He had the hope of the Lord's coming, waiting, just like the Corinthians, for the Lord's coming. And the principal chided him, no, not to be like that. And 20 years later, he got onto Lamb again and said, see, the Lord hasn't come and the bridge joined. <laughs> but you know, the college and the organisation that the liberal principle was attached with is gone. 
But Philip Lamb's, I mean, William Lamb's ministry still goes on huh? in, through John Ecob. Because <laughs> Russell Ecob listened, and also even here in this pulpit. Because who got saved through Pastor Lamb's uh, ministry was uh, the evangelist Ridley. Pastor Ridley preached, I got saved. So you see, you trace back and say, praise the Lord for people that were preaching it back then. You know, that it's, it goes on, and so it goes on to the next generation. And you can pass that on if the Lord should tarry. We don't know where that will end. And you can probably trace it back the other way too, to who taught him. Even if they're mocked, even if we're mocked in preaching it, keep preaching the truth. Listen to what the Bible says in the New Testament. I read and quote some of this. What did Jesus say about waiting for the coming? Matthew twenty five thirteen. Just listen to these. You haven't won't have time to look at them. They're written here. Watch therefore, you know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Luke twelve thirty five. Let your loins be girt about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like men that wait for their Lord. In Luke twelve thirty seven, following that last verse, blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. And if he should come in the secret in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. <laughs> and Jesus said in Revelation two twenty five, But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. Revelation three three to the church there, if thou if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know in what hour I will come upon thee. Jesus taught that they to watch, like this church was watching, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus in verse 7. <clears throat> Paul also preached the truth, did he not? Listen to what Titus said. He said to Titus 2, 11 to 13, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And I'll stop here and say, hey, if we have to go through the tribulation and say the Lord's coming after the tribulation, is that a blessed hope? That's a miserable thing to look forward to, to have to go through seven years and probably not survive. That's a, ble- that's a contradiction. <laughs> Because we have people that have gone from being independent Baptists to teaching that because they're no longer that teaching that is coming after. Nonsense. Philippians 3 verse 10 to 14. Paul said again that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained or either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived yet. I'm not in the new body. (laughs) But this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, reaching to the things that are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's the upward call when we're there in the presence of the Lord. Philippians 3.21 When the Lord takes us up, (laughs) this vile body shall be fashioned like his glorious body, this mortal shall have put on immortality, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul taught it. 
He said in Romans 22, I mean Romans 8, 23, waiting for the adoption to wit, that is the redemption of our body, waiting for it. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience waiting for Christ. Hebrews 10.36 And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Hebrews 10.25 So much the more as you see the day approaching. I'm, I'm just cutting those right down to the... Th- what about James? Did he preach and teach that? Yes. James 5 verse 7 through to 8. At the end of verse 8. <clears throat> Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. These all preached that. This church was waiting for that. They were gifted, they were talented, they were titled, but still they were waiting and trusting in the Lord and his promise of return. What about Peter? Did he preach it? Yep. Second Peter one nineteen. The day star rise in your hearts. And he talked about it and we'll refer to it later in other references. John he wrote in the New Testament. Did he talk about it? Yep. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. 1 John 2, 28. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. And every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. See, over and over again, this is thundered and taught and preached by the writers of the New Testament. And also John said in Luke twelve thirty seven, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. That was Luke, not, <laughs> not um, John. But these watched for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we watching? Are we waiting for the coming of the Lord? Do the problems of this life drive us to our hope in the Lord? I pray that it does. Waiting. It is a sanctifying truth, as we've already referenced first. John chapter 3 and the first few verses there that we read every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not come in the flesh is not of God this is the spirit of antichrist by which where is that verse I'm I'm looking at chapter 4 that's why it's not coming out (laughs) chapter 3 beloved now are we the sons of God in verse 2 it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself I wonder if Paul brought this up to the Corinthians you're waiting for the coming of the Lord you're a trusting church do you know what it means to be face to face with the Lord because it should be purifying you. You shouldn't be behaving as you are. These divisions shouldn't be among you. You'll be ashamed if the Lord came right now to that church at Corinth. <clears throat> we ought to have this purifying hope. And Second Peter 3, verse 11 to 14 also refers to that. Okay, <clears throat> we move on to the thought, the guarantee to this church is given in verse 8 where it says, who shall confirm you? That word is used again, confirm, that was used back in verse 6. They were confirmed at being Christ people by the gifts that they had. And here the, Paul is saying, you sh- who shall, the Lord, when he comes, shall confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to look at this thought. The day of the Lord 
Jesus Christ. They will be confirmed unto that. And the church, that promise has gone down through the centuries. Everyone that believes will be confirmed to, to that day. <clears throat> the Lord's confirmation expected unto the end. Tell us the very, very end. What is the end to which the Lord will confirm that church and any church that has existed has existed down through church history. Well, he's going to confirm them to the end, the end being the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is that day, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because it's important, because there's another day that's talked about that is not something we can look forward to. But we can look forward to this one. Turn to Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, and, and just look at, three other times that this phrase is used chapter 1 verse 10 that ye may approve things that are excellent that ye may be sincere and without offence till the day of Christ there it is again that they would be walking right that they had been sincere that they wouldn't be offending till the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 and verse 16 of the book of Philippians says, Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. Paul might rejoice about them as they've stuck to it. That I may not have not run in vain, neither laboured in vain. That you come through at the end. That you will be confirmed to that time. <clears throat> the day of Christ. Paul looked forward to that to be able to be there with the people that have been won through his testimony, taught and built up in their faith through his ministry. <clears throat> if you go back to chapter 1 of Philippians and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who, with, who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until when? The day of Jesus Christ. Important to see that. Now back in 1 Corinthians where we were, and to chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse, four, verse 5. Again, we read, To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Same reference, same thing, over and over again. And chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians <clears throat> and verse 2 Corinthians 1.14 <coughs> Excuse me As also ye have acknowledged us in part That we are your rejoicing Even as ye are ours Ye also are ours In the day of Jesus The Lord Jesus Same reference Same referring to the same thing That is a blessed hope That these people and all Christians and the Corinthians, as they were waiting for the coming of the Lord in the day of Jesus Christ. Is that different to the other day that's referred to often in Scripture? Let's go to the book of Joel in the Old Testament. The book of Joel. And see if you could wait and look forward to and call this a blessed hope. Because that's what some people are saying today. That this is the same day... The day of Jesus Christ and the day of the Lord is the same. And it's not. The day of Jesus Christ is a rapture. The day of Jesus Christ is being caught up. The day of Jesus Christ is a blessed hope. 
But look at the miserable thoughts that are contained in this in these verses talking about the day to come that's called the day of the Lord. In verse 15 of chapter 1 of Joel, alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. And as a destruction from the Almighty, it shall come. Does that sound like something to look forward to? Not when God starts destroying things. Go down to verse two, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. A day of darkness, of gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning spread upon the mountains of a great people and strong. <clears throat> Looking forward to that? No. Nobody would in their right mind look forward to that sort of day coming. Down in verse 11 of Joel chapter 2. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is, he is strong who executeth his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can abide it? There's not going to be many that survive it. They won't be able to abide it. Chapter 3 of Joel and verse 12. Let the heathen be wakened and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat for there I will sit to judge all nations, all heathen around about. Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come down for the press is full the vats overflow for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is in the valley of decision. When the Lord comes it's be like pressing the grapes out and <clears throat> a terrible time of judgment and people will be dis decisions will be made upon their eternity in that day and that's spoken about in Matthew twenty four twenty five, where the Lord comes and judges the sheep and the goats sorts them out in the valley of decision the sun and the moon shall be darkened the stars shall withdraw their shining the Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem with the heavens and the earth shall quake Shake. He, <clears throat> 30 to 40,000 quakes in Antarctica within a month, just recently. Just, you don't hear it. They're not putting it on the news. They're not putting the main ones that hit out above New Zealand, four major ones about a week and a half ago. 7.7 .7 on the Richter scale. Usually you hear about that. It seems to be only when it wrecks some buildings. And they're all... They're all on edge in New Zealand, especially the ones on the north-western side. They all got out because of the tsunamis that could have, but didn't come. Little ones came, but not big ones. But anyway, the Lord's going to shake the earth terribly. And that's the day of the Lord. Let's just turn to Amos. It's just a few pages, a couple of pages over. Amos chapter 5 and verse 18. <clears throat> See what he said. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. Back in the references to the day of Christ, it was look forward to it. Anticipate it. I can't wait for it. Here, woe to you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness, not light. And if a man did flee from a lion and a bear, a bear met him, or went into a house and leaned on his, his hand on the wall, the serpent bit him. You know, 
in the day of the Lord that starts after the, the, the church is caught up after the rapture, that's when the day of the Lord begins. I've written down here, this afternoon I wrote this down here, Murphy's Law will be in full swing. If it can happen, it will happen. <laughs> and in the tribulation, that's what it's going to be like. You try to run from the bear. What was it? Run from the lion and the bear's there waiting for you. <laughs> if you go into a house for protection, you'll put your head on the wall for rest. A, serp- a, a scorpion bites you. You know, it'll be terrible. <laughs> you just won't be able to escape the reality of judgment. They'll be all over the world in every place of the world. That's the day of the Lord. Looking forward to it? No. We're looking forward to the Lord and his coming for us in the rapture and deliverance and a new body. You call it a blessed hope and then say that you're going to go through that. Nonsense. You're not even logical in your thinking. How can they get that confused? Well, they have. And these Corinthians were waiting for that day to come, waiting for the day of the Lord Jesus. Are you waiting? Am I waiting? I pray that we are. <laughs> this day is not to be confused with the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, which is essentially the day of the Lord, an Old Testament expression, when the Lord will step back into the affairs, the human affairs, particularly in Israel and of the world, with power and great glory. He will overthrow Gentile domination and he will bring in that his people who are few and or who are who few are left, will be the people blessed and used to minister. And Isaiah 13, verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel with both wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light, the sun shall be darkened. Its going forth and the moon shall not cause its light to shine. Russia and China are going to make a moon station. Did you hear about that this week? They're planning to build a station on the moon. They won't even be able to look at it anymore. won't even shine. <laughs> I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked in their iniquity and I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold. There's not going to be a lot left. Even a man than the gold a wedge of offer. Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of its place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger, in the day of the Lord that will happen. But he will rescue his people out of it. We haven't time, but you can read um, in, the book, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 3, and say the Lord will deliver his people that is Israel, out of the day of the Lord, not the church. The church would have already been delivered. <clears throat> but the coming of the Lord, we are looking for in the departure, we will partake of, of the saints, the parousia, parousia. This is the end to which Christ confirms us. He's confirmed us to that point. <laughs> He will catch us up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The mortal will put on, 1 Corinthians 15, immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. Dead believers will be raised and the living will be changed, all in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and following. 
will be gathered together unto him. 2 Thessalonians 2.1 When he shall appear, we shall be like him. This is the hope, waiting for and anticipating it. And as Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. Are we looking for that time? At that time, we Christians will appear before him in judgment. And it has appeared that marriage happens in that period of time for seven years and then the marriage supper for the millennium. That's what, as you read the scriptures, I think you'll, you'll get that out of that. We'll be presented blameless. As Ephesians 5, 20, 27 says, he's, present, he's going to present his bride spotless, blameless. As, as Paul said here in verse 8, that he may present you blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a sin to be able to be charged against his beloved whom he has confirmed to that day. Let's have confidence in what God has said. <laughs> he said it, he will do it. Do it. <clears throat> There's a verse I read this afternoon. I, I, didn't, I should have written it down, but it, it mentions there that those, those that wait for him, he will come for them. And if you're not waiting for the Lord Jesus to come and deliver us from the present, the hour of destruction that's going to come upon the world, maybe you are going to go through it. Maybe you're not really got the faith that the Lord once delivered to the saints, according to Jude. Just saying things, that'll upset a few if they listen to that. <laughs> because I would say, you know, I'm not saved. Well, if you're not going to interpret the Bible right, and you're going to say, we're going to go through the hell on earth, the tribulation. We're going to go into the Armageddon, all of that that's going to happen. You know, there's saber rattling all around the world, isn't there? There's war. You hear the rumors of war? <laughs> yeah, all around the world. You know, within five years, China's going to do something. It's going to attack Taiwan, and this and that's going to happen. You know, and and they're, they're building armaments like they've never. And you hear of the new sort of submarines and the new sort of aeroplanes that are, that are being made for war, for war, for war. <laughs> We're not looking for the hour of tribulation. We're looking for the upper taker, aren't we? <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we might be presented blameless, as Paul said to the Corinthians. And so this is blessed news to their ears. He's going he's, he's gonna to sound a different note in a moment. It's, uh, Paul puts his pen down and says, that was the easy part. Now comes verse 10 and following, and the rest of the book, almost the hard part, to get on to you Corinthians, get all over you, get on your case. Let's look for the coming of the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you that we wait for the coming day of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he'll be glorified in the believers. He will be bringing his spotless bride into his presence to be judged and to be married to. Then there'll be that horrible day of the Lord begin when all things will break loose. Nature will not behave as it has. Nations will not behave as they have. There'll be war on every side, wars and rumours of wars and 
fearfulness. If we think COVID was fearful time to go through, it's nothing as compared with what the Bible says is coming in the day of the Lord. Let us be prepared for the rapture by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal and only Saviour. Trust in him. Trust in his complete sacrifice to pay for our sins. Confess him as our Saviour and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead and we shall be delivered. We shall be saved. Lord, confirm us to the end, as you've said, Lord, we can pray that because it's Scripture. Confirm us to the day of Christ and maybe it will be while we're all still alive, it'll happen. It could be today, but it could be in the near future. It could be a little way off. Confirm us, Lord, let us not forsake the assembling. Let's keep coming, keep being faithful, true to your word. We ask in Jesus' name.